Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said to Pilate, as, the, as Pilate questioned him on the eve of his crucifixion. And so it is. We are not ones who are in this world trying to establish some type of Christian nation or take over the world by force. No, we already have a kingdom. We entered that kingdom as we were born again by the water and spirit of our baptism. We were given a new name, a new identity. No longer were we children of the fallen kingdom, children of Satan. We became and were brought in by adoption, the family of God, and became citizens of his eternal realm. We are already citizens. And so even as we might bear the name American and we vote and we pay our taxes and all else that goes with the civil rights, truly we are best to understand that as being visitors of this land, sojourners. We are expatriates, if you will. Our true kingdom is above until it comes to earth in the resurrection. And for a time, we walk these lands strangers in a strange land even, exiles. We know the greater, the greater country which is to come. We know the joys of that kingdom where there is no death, no pain, and no sorrow. We know what our Lord has established as he has ascended on high, and we wait. Now we are in a foreign land, foreign because it is filled with sin, foreign because it is filled with death. But as we are here, our job is not to supplant this nation, but to be witnesses of the greater kingdom, to call others to become part of that kingdom, to proclaim to them the wonders of what Christ has done and of the nation he has established, the true Israel, the nation which shall never fail, but endure even unto all eternity. And so while we are in this world, we are not in competition. We are not trying to be better than others. We are not trying to show how their way is wrong and so they must change the society. What we are calling for them is to seek out the Lord who shall change them and change their hearts. And so we go about not in terms of power, but in terms of fruitfulness. We, turn, we go out seeking to serve and love even as we have been served and loved by our Lord. Our weapons, if you will, the tools of our trade are not power or prestige. It's not armies. It's not business transactions. It's not money. It is the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, contentment, long-suffering. These are the fruits which flow from the Spirit who dwells in us. What we do is not about what laws we follow. It's not about changing the government, but it is about serving those who are in need, those who are broken by this world. One of the great distinctions between our Lord's eternal kingdom and this temporary kingdom is the difference between life and death itself. In this age, no matter how strong someone is, how smart they are, no matter how much prestige or power they have, they will never overcome the problems of this world. There is not some set of laws that could be enacted which would keep all evil at bay. 
There's not some procedure. There's not some learning to be true. There are some learnings and laws which are better than others. There are moralities that can be promoted which will discourage evil, which will encourage peace and love among men, but they will fail. Because the more laws that are put forth, the more we rebel against it because of our sinfulness, the more man rebels against it. Indeed, we can see how that's going on in our nation today. Regardless of whether you view such things that our government is doing as good and proper, or overbearing, or maybe not enough, we can see the effect it is having on people. The longer the shutdowns go on, the more demonstrations that creep up. The more people are told they can't go to beaches, the more they flock to them. And that is the way of the law. But we, what we do, what we are called to share, the way we are called to be in this world, there is no law. For there is no law about loving your neighbor. There is no law that says, serve those who are in need. We do it out of thankfulness. Because this is what our Lord has done for us. While we were still dead in our sins, he entered this world. He raised us up to new life. He turned our hearts of stones to hearts of flesh. He washed away our sin. And so we then go forth, serving others as he has. A new command I give you, our Lord said to us on Maundy Thursday. As I have loved you, love one another. This is what Peter is calling us to recognize. And so we go forth, and we are called to keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorable. What exactly does that mean? As we consider his words today, they are quite interesting. For he tells us that as we go forth, we don't disdain the orders of the world. Remember, Peter was writing from Rome, and writing to the Roman Christians, even as Paul did in his letter and his words were not about Jerusalem or Judea. It was about the Roman Empire. And so as we consider these words, we recognize they are applicable to all nations of all times. So what does Peter tell us to do? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He's simply repeating and echoing the words of our Lord. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and the things to the Lord and, to th and unto God the things that are God. When Peter thought he didn't have to pay the temple tax, the Lord commanded him to go fishing, and he brought forth a fish that had the gold in his mouth and said, go pay the tax. Pointing out two things, I might add. One, that we indeed do pay taxes, because we recognize that all things come from God. So the money we have is not ours, but that which the Lord has given us to use to serve our neighbor. Peter then goes on to say, be good to silence the naysayers. As we consider our actions in the community, there always is this recognition we have attention. For the way of the world often goes astray from the way of the, of the Lord. There are often moralities that are put forth that are contrary to the word of God. There are often laws which disdain what is good and proper. And yet, as we go forth into the world, we are also called, and again in the words of our Lord, to be sly as foxes, but gentle as doves. We don't go forth like a bull in a china shop, but we go forth mirroring what our Lord showed, where he sat down with sinners and tax collectors, where he met with those whom society had cast aside. 
those who we might view as great sinners. And yet recognizing that, but by the grace of God, we too would go thus. We live as people who are free, not needing to prove our merit, not needing to earn God's favor, but as ones who are already in the kingdom, who already have eternity, who are already forgiven. Our actions are not tested by God. They're not ways that we prove we are worthy. They're simply reflections of the great love he has shown for us. There is no burden of proof, but a privilege to share. And yet, Peter also mentions, this though is not some type of blanket allowance to use our freedoms to cover up evil. It's not a chance to say, well, God would forgive you anyway, so it doesn't matter what you do. And here's where the tension comes in, where we are called to serve those in need without going against God's word, without condoning that which the Lord has called evil or wrong. It is something which we can only do by the grace of the Spirit, one which is accompanied by prayer, by asking the Lord's guidance in our words to give us clarity of his will revealed to us through his word. And so at the end of the day, we recognize that first and foremost, we are servants and citizens of God. And that as we go forth, we live in a world, we endure what we face. And we go forth with the hope and prayer that as we love our neighbor, as we serve them in gentleness, they will hear the word of God and come to know him as we know him, the great redeemer and savior. Peter summarizes this section by making the distinction of how we react between the government and to God. He uses a kind of a sandwich approach. Verse 17, he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. With these words, he's explaining there's a difference between how we react, how we speak to those inside the church versus those outside. And it really has two different points. The first is we should not expect those who are outside the church to live as those who are inside it. We should not be shocked when moralities or actions differ from what God has called, where there is no shame or we think there should be shame. As Paul says to the Corinthians, we don't judge those outside the church. Indeed, they're already judged. Our Lord, as he went to the Pharisee, or as he went to the tax collectors and the sinners, he sat with them, he shared with them his love, and then proclaimed to them the word, I am the Savior, go forth and sin no more. But to those who are inside the church, the love of the brotherhood means that we do proclaim the word sharply. You can see this to how we address the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were ones who proclaimed themselves to be not only in the church, but the leaders of the church. And so he loved them. He loved them by rebuking them sharply. Woe to you who speak words which are not true. And some heeded those calls. Nicodemus and others came to him, recognizing him for who he was. We love the brotherhood by, yes, proclaiming God's law to them, but more so as that law enters our hearts and breaks us, as it shows us our sinfulness, we bring that most definite gospel of the word of the Lord, of how he has taken those sins upon us, that he is the source of our help. Paul then, or Peter then finishes, fear God, honor the emperor. Here he is also then making a final distinction. We have two masters, if you will, 
albeit one, the submaster appointed by the greater one. Peter makes a distinction. The one we fear, the other we honor. We fear God because as Jesus proclaimed in Matthew, do not fear the one who can destroy the body, the emperor. Fear the one who can destroy both the body and soul, who is God. Above all, we give God the primary, the primary place. We honor the emperor. We follow the laws which he gives, recognizing he is appointed by God for the keeping of peace. But there are times where the laws of the emperor and the laws of God conflict. When the emperor might tell us to do something or forbid us from doing something which God commands. In that time, we still honor the emperor. We pray for him. We, we give him uh, honor which is due. But we must heed God and not man. That place can be a fine line again of when we, it is proper to go against the emperor versus, uh, versus keeping his law. One which is done in prayer and contemplation. And should not be done lightly. But at the end of the day, what is the law of God? What are we called to do? It is what he has done for us. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Proclaim his word in truth and purity. Receive it in gladness. And love our neighbor as ourselves. Serve them in their need. Share with them the word of God. All things give glory to our Lord. And so we are resident aliens in a fallen world. We endure the difficulties of this life, knowing that what is to come is far better than now. In this age, we live as Christ. We endure because of the greater good of God's word going forth. But we know that we are citizens of that other land, of our Lord's kingdom. We have a citizenship that is already established. You are forgiven. You are renewed. You are a child of God now and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.